Hey friends, this is Fun Therapy, and I'm Mike. And together on this podcast, we're going to dive into the messy, brutal, but beautiful parts of our not-so-perfect stories. And we're going to do it with a smile. We're going to find joy in discoveries. We're going to find truth in the imperfectness of our lives. I love this quote from Joseph Campbell. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I sure can. When he says this, And where we had thought to find an abomination, we shall find a God. And where we had thought to slay another, we shall slay ourselves. Where we had thought to travel outward, we shall come to the center of our own existence. Where we had thought to be alone, we shall be with all the world. My name is Mike Foster, and this is Fun Therapy. So I want to just uh, say thank you for just your kindness and your encouragement and all the nice things that you have been saying and messaging me about. I, if I don't know, my my encouragement tank is overflowing right now. So thank you. It's because of you. And because of your kind words and comments that you're leaving on the uh, iTunes review and ratings, uh, just thank you for that. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, make sure to do that. And of course, uh, leave your ratings or reviews and thoughts. I am reading them and helps me just in terms of what we're doing here as I grow as a podcast host, if that's what you call me. <laughs> I'm not sure what I am, but uh, I'm just thankful for you being here and I'm thankful for your support of this podcast. I also want to tell you about my new paperback book uh, called You Rise Glorious. It's a reissue of an earlier book that I wrote a couple of years ago called People in Second Chance, but I have updated the book. I have put in some new uh, content uh, and it's called You Rise Glorious, A Wild Invitation to Live Fierce free and unstoppable in a world that tries to break you, shame you, and tell you that you're not enough. There's some doodles in there, some some added content I think that is gonna, you're going to find very helpful. And one of the best things about when you buy the, the paperback version of the book, by the way, you can get on Amazon, wherever books are sold. I've included a, an access code to a free e-course that I did called uh, You Rise Glorious, where I actually unpack kind of four steps, a four-step process of how to really make the most of your second chance to make the most of your pain, find meaning in the mess. And I think you'll really enjoy that course. That's free. It just comes with the book. And uh, again, You Rise Glorious, my new paperback version of my book available at Amazon. In this fun therapy session, I welcome my friend, Margaret Feinberg. I got the chance to sit down with her in Salt Lake City, and we had this beautiful conversation about managing a new normal in her life, about going through the grief process. We talked about self-doubt and the perils of dealing with daily physical pain. Margaret is a passionate writer and speaker and funny Bible teacher who wants to spark your joy and help you love your one and only precious life. So, okay, get ready. 
You're going to love Margaret's sweet spirit, her hope-soaked words, and her fierce warrior spirit. And now, this session of Fun Therapy with my friend Margaret Feinberg. So, Margaret, how are you? How am I? That is such a loaded question. Why is that such a loaded question? Um, I know the Christian F word answer, but I'm going to hold that one back. Um, I think if I'm really honest, how am I? Probably a little torn apart inside. Hmm. Um, It's been a crazy season. Um, you know, a few years ago, I, I battled cancer and coming through that was one thing, but I I don't think anybody can prepare you for the aftermath of what that looks like and what that feels like. And, you know, after being so reduced emotionally, mentally, physically, and then, and then trying to rebuild, recognizing there's, there's no margin. Um, I used to have a lot of margin. I used to have magical margin. It was amazing. Mm. And all that's taken away. My turbo tanks got swiped, which stinks and is super annoying. Um, And being, I think, reduced to just flat um, human um, and low energy at times, it's hard. It's hard. So how am I? Um, I think today is a good day. And I'm grateful for that. But I acknowledge that I still feel a little torn inside. Hmm. What specifically, if you were to put your finger on the thing that feels most torn inside, what, what would that be? Yeah, I think I feel most torn by knowing where I was and knowing where I am and accepting where I am, which I feel like I'm always in process of. That's not new. You know, I've had a couple of years of that and adapting to a new normal. Um, But I think trying to find a way forward in that and understanding the new limits. And I'm one who loves to push. Mm. I don't know if you ever had something taken from you and and maybe you you try to get it back or you're told no, but then you kind of want to like just press across that line. And my favorite word is no, because my answer is always yes. And... Um, but I can't win this one. And that one is a little bit frustrating. But it still doesn't mean I don't try like mm-hmm. every day because that's what we do. That's how we roll. Um, but yeah, that's been hard. I think another part of it that I think people don't talk about a lot, and I was, I was I, except for people who have maybe been through disease or hardship or sudden loss, is um, that, that often afterwards there's a lack of work, which is really strange to think about. Um, I was talking to a friend, I think it's a friend of both of us, a small business owner, and just been going through a really difficult health situation. And people keep asking, what can I do? What can I do? And even his clients. And and he says, you know what I want to tell them? Like, just sign the contract. Hmm. Like at the time of crisis, don't stop hiring or don't stop, um, you know, bringing people in to, to do work, to work hours, to to speak, to to have jobs. And so I feel like, um, I feel like sometimes that's a, that's a struggle that, that we face and, and that people just, they don't talk about. So there's sort of this, um, 
fear that people have about engaging you? And what, what do you think is the thing that they... Yeah, I think there's this, this, if you go through a hardship or a loss or a pain or especially a sickness, I think there is this acknowledgement of grand diminished capacity. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that the return of that doesn't always happen in people's minds. Like, do you remember when you were seven and and maybe you had kids in the play school and then you see them 30 years later and and they still see you maybe as that seven-year-old? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing, I think, in in hardship and in, in sickness. Like sometimes when we see people that vulnerable or that sick, it kind of gets frozen in our mind. And, and we see them come back and, and out, outwardly we're happy for that, but maybe we're not as willing to invest or... Um, or to recognize that 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 portion of them is back Hmm. or has grown up from that seven-year-old. Yeah. Might have changed. It almost sounds like um, a label that has been put on you because of a a very significant season of your life that you had to fight and battle through and people are still connecting to that particular picture or that label. That's a great description. I think it is connecting to the label rather than connecting to the person mm-hmm. and recognizing that there's also something beautiful that happens and that, you know, if after the, the fire runs through the field, there is new growth that comes out after that. There is new life. Um, and being able to recognize and see that and call that out. Um, I think the people who have done that for me have been extraordinary, but also sometimes rare. So tell me about the grief process Mm. of losing something in that season. Mm. Grief is hard. It's hard and it's beautiful. Uh, A friend recently spoke to me and and used this phrase that is just stuck. They described this. They prayed for me and they say, Margaret, I pray for you a fruitful grieving because there are just so many ways to grieve that are not productive and that don't yield fruit. And that sense of how do we grieve in a way that brings life, that goes through the stages of acknowledgement and mourning and acceptance, and then that yields kind of those sprigs of new life. And and I think that when something big happens to someone, I think one of the struggles is it's not one category that that grieving has to happen. So it's not just maybe grieving some missing body parts or grieving some lost energy or it's grieving like the life you once knew, grieving some of the relationships the way that you once knew them. Uh, grieving grieving is an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it takes a lot longer than a year. I think a year is a good starting mark. <laughs> Yes, it does. <laughs> but but I think that's just the year to the year the year is just to figure out that you must grieve and begin discovering ways of fruitful grieving. I think most of us know what it's like to lose someone we love to have them pass from this life to another, to grieve and to mourn, to be sad and miss their companionship. But what do we do when we lose a part of ourselves and the fire comes and burns down the life we once knew and cancer steals something from us? 
when disease robs us of a life and a story that we had dreamed about. You see, cancer took something from Margaret. And though she lives and breathes today, something was taken away and it may never come back. And in these moments, we must grieve, but not just grieve, but grieve in a fruitful way. And not just grieve one thing or the one event or the one incident, or grieve in generalities, but, but grieve for everything that was taken in the fire, everything that was burned down and lost. When our bodies are sick, when cancer comes and burns down the things we once knew, we must grieve. And so Margaret mourns. But the thing that I find so inspiring about what she's saying right now is that she's holding on to a simple belief that yes, the cancer stole many precious things from her, but she holds on to the simple hope that something new will come alive in her story. So tell me about today's grief. Today's grief. Yeah, the tearing inside. I think um, I think it's interesting, you know, we talk about the struggle of not having work and I'm super grateful. Um, Zondervan has, you know, gotten behind a new project that I'm working on and I'm sitting and I'm writing today. And what's, it's, it's wonderful and it's beautiful, um, but a little, little background on that. Um, I, I had some friends sit down with me about five months ago and they said, Margaret, we think the reason you haven't written a book in almost four years is because your last book was written about cancer and it was written out of such pain that you, um, you don't want to write again because you don't want to face that pain again. And I thought, I love you. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. Um, you're right. Like, I don't want to hear those words and you are so right. And, um, and in that, um, saying, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and so here I am, I'm writing and it's beautiful and it's fun and it's adventuresome and it's biblical and it's deep and it's insightful at times. And it's, it's just this beautiful work. And yet the amount of pain that comes to the surface is sometimes, um, I mean, I just, I weep, um, because it's still painful to do this. And I think, I think part of that pain just comes out of self-doubt of just saying, oh my goodness, can I, can I really do this again? Um, do I have the energy, the strength, the stamina, the creativity? Um, it, 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 do I have the skill still? And that must sound funny. Like I've written a lot of projects and yet still to sit down and to face a blank page and to struggle with words and um, fashioning and crafting and, and doing it in a way and saying, does, does any of this work? Is, is it... I don't know. Um, I think that tears on me. That 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 self doubt. Does it? Does the self doubt that uh, sort of expresses itself at the writing process? Does that have ripple effects in other parts of your life? I think so. I think I think the self doubt definitely. I think I see it most acutely there because it's a small frame in which to focus. But I think the self doubt. I think it spreads out. You know, not just can I do this here, but can I? Can I? Because in that is a question of value. 
mm. um, of course, and of you know, and of of, of skill and and worth. And, um, but I think it also, it does affect like even in relationships and another, do I still have worth? Do I still have value? Can I still do it? So I think that question, um, it spans wide in lots of facets of life. Tell me about the, um, the relationships that have been challenged in this season for you. Yeah. What, what does that look like? Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because uh, some people that I've invested in and time and energy, um, I realize that sometimes they have needs of me that I just can't meet. I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the ability. I don't have the energy. And I think in the past, I wouldn't have maybe drawn a boundary or even recognized that and just tried to pour in. And now I think in the new me, um, I think I, I step back a little bit, um, but I still mourn that. And I still feel the loneliness from pulling back from that. Um, at the same time, there are people who are going through hardships, and I can be there in, in, in you know, because of their graciousness and their openness in, in a, I think, a good and beautiful way. And others, I can't. I'm like, some people are walking through hard things, and I'm the worst thing for them. And I know that. And so I, I take a step back. And kind of being able to discern that and perfectly is something that I definitely wrestle with in my relationships. Does it feel like it's not you, like because you knew the you before cancer that would show up for that and say yes to that, and now there's kind of a new rhythm for you? Yes, there's a new rhythm. It is, um, it's hard and it's hard to figure out because it's not a rhythm yet. Hmm. The rhythm was on the old person who knew how to react, who knew how to, who could, and this new person who can't has to find a new way forward, and um, and that imperfectly, very imperfectly, like stumbly, blind, oopsie, oops, scrape myself, oop, hurt somebody else kind of way. And so it does feel all new, learning to navigate and learning to um, know what to say and what not to say and when to say, and most of the time just to be quiet. Hmm. I understand that, yeah. So if you were to... If you're in sort of an incubation process of finding the new rhythm and the maybe this new you that's emerging, where do you think you're at in the process? Mm. I think I'm in the messy plasma stage uh-huh. where it's all gooey. It hasn't quite formed. But in there is life. And there's a there's a green in there. It must sound so strange and blue. And so I know there's life in there. I know. I kind of know in this weird, unknowing way where I where I want to go with this, where I want to, how I want to look like when it forms. Um, but I'm definitely far, far away now. Tell me about what you see. Yeah, I think what I see. Um, I think what I see is is um, a friend of mine. Um, Christ and that if allowed to if allowed to go through something that is essentially a, a death type process and a renewal that that is that is the goal of the outcome that is the reflection and the radiance and so even in the midst of the uncertainty and even in the midst of the goo and the formation and the messy and the not knowing um, 
I, I think I know how this turns out. Do you have any sense of how long it will take? Oh, if given, if given the time, probably another 20 to 40 years. So tell me about the, the pain of being in the goo right now. Yeah. Uncertainty is a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love certainty, but it's only an illusion, not super annoying. Um, we cling to our certainties. We cling to our black and whites. We cling to our formations. And then one day or someday or over a series of events or over a series of time, all those get knocked away. And you realize you were, you were, you were never standing on anything that solid at all. You were, you were standing, maybe instead of standing on a rock, you were standing on a palm. And it's moving and it's alive and it's not stable. And, and that palm has you, um, but, it, but it's, not, it's not certain anymore. And your elevation and your spatial dimensions to everything, it's just, it's, it's a place of trust. It's a place of dependence. It's a place of, um, you have to lean into it, but it's scary to do. Did anybody sort of prepare you for this? Or is this kind of like, you're just, it's all new learnings and it's sort of like your, your private classroom unique to you? Or is there some things that have been helpful? Yeah, there's a book. It's got a terrible, terrible cover. <laughs> no, don't judge. And it's called The Critical Journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really describes kind of the life stages of faith and where we're all headed in, in this idea that as we grow spiritually, eventually to truly grow, everything has to fall apart to come back together again. Mm-hmm. Everything has to fall apart to come back together again. Wow. What an absolutely profound truth of life. And Margaret is living that right now. And friend, you might be in that place too. You might be asking the question, when? When does it come back together? When does this new life arrive You might be holding on to all these broken pieces and you're asking God, when does do these pieces come back together into something beautiful? You might relate with Margaret and this idea of being in the messy middle in the gooey plasma. Maybe you're sitting in uncertainty, questioning whether all of this will be worth it, the waiting. And those certainty and black and white easy answers and believing the cliches about how all this is supposed to work and often that feels so good until we realize this fact that control is an illusion when all of this certainty and all of this control crumbles we actually can find the beauty the deep beauty 
in the mystery of life. I think I'm learning slowly to receive things better as a gift, even in everyday life. Like the annoyance and the delay and the um, to receive it as a gift. But, but you kind of have to have that posture of receiving it as a gift or else it's all terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it, can, terrible. it can slip into despair. Totally, totally. And so I think that the more that I, sadness doesn't scare me. Um, grieving doesn't scare me. I think it's really healthy and really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in a weird way, entering into that space expands our bandwidth for joy. Um, that those walk hand in hand. And so, yeah, there is sadness. Um, it is a companion. So to me, like sadness says that something mattered to me and it's it's gone or... You know, there's no going back to it or you know, it's not coming back. What's the, what's the thing that you wish you could, like if you could go back to two years ago or pre-cancer, like thing like, I really would want that to come back. I would love my energy and my clarity. Tell me more about that. I would love, I would love my turbo back. I would love that ability to wake up and go, 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 and not have to worry about margins and not have to worry about gravity. Um, it was so fun. <laughs> I loved it. No limits, Margaret. <laughs> I loved it. It was so fun. Um, but I'm living a better life now. And I know that. But it's not without the mourning and the grieving mm-hmm. of giving that up. And so when I cross that line and try to push and my body comes collapsing down on me, I'm mad and I'm sad, which go hand in hand. I'm really glad you said that you're mad. Because I think that's sometimes the um, another really important emotion that gets sort of buried mm-hmm. or not talked about. Yeah, anger is, I never learned how to be angry. Um, in the house where I was raised, there wasn't space for any anger from me. And so I've learned and been through therapy and counselors and talked about it and slowly learning to be angry. But I'd say my anger skills are about maybe a two and a half year old on a really good day. Hmm. And so that's just, it, it's hard for me um, to be angry well because there was not space. And so learning later in life how to be angry well um, is something that I'm still learning to do, to speak up to voice frustration, to um, allow myself to have that emotion rise up. What do you feel uncomfortable about in terms of the anger? Like, is there something in there that's like, that feels, maybe just the fact that it's new, mm-hmm. but is there something that you believe about anger that feels like it? I should just get over it or not be angry or just buck up or... Uh, I think in the way that I was raised, I was scared to be anger. So I think fear and anger for me are linked mm. um, in in that um, if you're angry, you will 
not be given space. You will be rejected. You mm. will be silenced. You will be. Um, so I think for me, there's, you know, learning, no, there is a healthy place for anger and that is good. And mm. to let that out is, um, is good and healthy. So tell me about um, value. And um, how you're finding that and defining that in a different way right now in your life, your value. Yeah. I think one of the ways is through um, some of the healthy relationships that we've developed here in Utah. Um, Finding my value when my favorite kids you know, run toward me and let me scoop them up in my their arm, my arms and swing them around and show up in scraggly clothes and usually my jammies at my friend's house with food and um, eat leftovers and stay up way too late and laugh hard. And um, that value in community for me has been really beautiful. Um, we moved here. Uh, into this house almost two years ago and we moved here and it was we we had better friends in the first six months we lived here than in the last eight years where we lived Mm. and so it's just been pretty amazing and um I don't know for me community and my friends and it's it's um it's delightful One of the most important things to do in our own healing process is to allow our friends and our community and others to see our grief, to see the sadness. It's important to be seen and not to hide or to feel like you have to be strong or suck it up because you don't. We all come undone. This is the power of friendship and community We need friends who will hold space for us to allow us to heal, to be known, and to carry some of the feelings and the grief and the mourning and the loss that we feel, to experience every emotion with us. And those emotions, they're so important, even if that emotion is anger. You know, Margaret talks about anger and, and how important it is to make space for anger and friends Let me just be very clear. Don't be afraid of that emotion. This healthy anger that transforms, that heals, anger that is processed and discharged is part of the process. Maybe your parents taught you not to be angry or your church taught you this, that the anger is inappropriate. Maybe you feel you'll be rejected for your anger. You'll be judged for your anger. But my encouragement to you right now is to process it. Don't bury it. Honor it. Don't hide it. That's how we heal. And now we finish the session with talking about doubting ourselves after a life storm.
think that sometimes in the in the writing and in the working, in the social media and all the job demands, sometimes I wonder, you know, am I still cut out for this? Um, does my voice still have a place? Does it matter? Um, you know, there are so many people doing what I do. Does it? Does it? You know, is it time to tap out? Um, mm. Is it time to? I don't know, go work at Starbucks and be a barista or be a waitress at a morning diner because that would be super fun. Um, oh, I love waitressing, by the way. I think it's the greatest profession. If I didn't write, I would love to be a waitress. Travel You'd the be world. a wonderful waitress. Super fun. Don't think you're going to get your iced teaspoon. You're not. But otherwise, <laughs> I'll be lovely to you. Um, so I think that, I think the doubt is just deep in the sense of, um, yeah, do I, am, am I a really young husband? Hmm. Um, and I don't think that's the truth, but I do have those dark thoughts when it gets hard, when it's frustrating, when it's not coming easily, when I wonder why am I writing a project that is so offbeat from what everyone else is doing? Um, yeah, sometimes I feel like uh, out of just with a with a different space and and calling to fulfill than always what is most desirable in a marketplace right now. Um, yeah, I struggle with those self doubts a lot. When is that voice um, the loudest for you? It's loudest when I'm tiredest. Hmm. Exhaustion breeds the most self-doubt for me and other things. Um, I remember Beth Moore asked a question years ago, you know, when are you most likely to sin? I was like, oh, when I'm tired. That's when the dark voices run the rampant. And sometimes I just put myself to sleep. I just say, okay, we're done. We're done. Yeah, it feels like you talked about the energy and just kind of the energy being a, uh, being impacted because of cancer and so fatigue and tiredness is really sounds like something that has to be really managed mm-hmm. knowing the the real implications of it's not just about being tired no and also living in chronic pain from the damage done is left um there's something about pain that kind of eats away at a person's resolve it'll eat through your emotions and so your 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 strength level just isn't as as strong um so I, yeah, it definitely at times battling through that. And then other days I wake up and it's, it's magical mm. and I've got energy and bounce in my step and, um, but I'm, I'm pretty measured in my energy, um, and where I expend it and how I expend it. And I have to be, mm-hmm. and it's really good. Um, but it's not fun for somebody who loves to do it all. So tell me about the, when you say the chronic pain, chronic physical Pain. Mm-hmm. What is that like for you in the season? Yeah, it shifts every day. Um, I have uh, my arm swells, is something called lymphedema, and um, just causes pain. And so I always wear, if you see me, you'll see me with a black um, arm guard on, I'm wearing it right now, and it helps with the, the swelling of that. And so if I don't wear it and I'm moving around, I'll be in pain in five minutes. I mean, it's pretty immediate. 
Um, but if I wear it, we can we can keep a lot of it at bay. And then if I use my arm too much or if I get a small mosquito bite or a cut or a burn from the oven, um, the arm will swell up and cause tremendous pain. Um, sometimes on airlines, it can swell up. Mm. Um, and so, you know, managing that. And um, my husband's been amazing in helping, like, with she, he helps sometimes drain the liquid out and, and make it so that it's not as painful. Do you ever feel like, because um, without question, Margaret, you're managing a lot. You're having to think, think about a lot. Um, do you ever feel or ask the question like, God, this feels a little unfair? Mm-hmm. Why do I not wrestle with feeling like it's unfair? What would you ask God then about this? Yeah. I would ask, how are you going to provide a way through? I don't want out. I want through. And it feels much more daily and hourly than yearly or monthly. Um, Yeah, the provision of that. And there's a sweetness in that. And that's probably where you see both the sadness and the joy. Like it is hard. Um, I won't deny that at all. And yet there is this sense, I've been realizing this in the last few weeks especially, like to experience the miraculous power of God, to see Him display it's you're much more prone to do that in a place of need Mm. and so i get to see that um in the most stunning ways and i wouldn't um i wouldn't want to miss that Thank you, Margaret. Your sweet spirit, your kind words, and warrior spirit is something we all aspire to. Thank you for sharing with us today. If you want to connect with Margaret, I want to encourage you to go to margaretfeinberg.com, margaretfeinberg.com. And also check out her book uh, on amazon.com, Fight Back with Joy, Celebrate More, Regret Less, Stare Down Your Greatest fears. This is an amazing book. I loved this book. And just through her vulnerable storytelling and just this amazing good dose of humor uh, in the book, it talks about how to escape fear and regret, to overcome depression, to uh, expand our joy in our life. No matter what your circumstances are, you can practice what uh, Margaret refers to as defiant joy. So fight back with joy, celebrate more, regret less, stare down your greatest fears. Check out that book on amazon.com. Don't just check it out, buy it. It's a good one. Uh, I loved it. You'll love it too. Also want to encourage you to follow me uh, on Instagram at Mike Foster 2000, Mike Foster 2000. Uh, My uh, feed uh, is really just a visual version of fun therapy. I share things to help you create resiliency and want to just stir up hope in your life. And you'll also be able to see my fluffy Pomeranian dog, Napoleon, on my Instagram stories uh, feed, which I uh, probably post way too many pictures of him, but I, I kind of love the little thing. 
Uh, also visit me at mikefoster.tv and uh, make sure to check out my workshop, Rescue Academy at rescueacademy.com. If you like the Fun Therapy Podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Uh, I also want to say thanks to Sleeping at Last for providing the beautiful music for this ep- episode. Sleepingatlast.com or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to music, make sure to uh, listen to Ryan's music. It is fantastic. Uh, Fun Therapy is a proud member of the Relevant Podcast Network. For more shows from the Relevant Podcast Network, make sure to check out relevantmagazine.com forward slash podcasts. And again, friends, thanks for listening. I'm so glad we get to do this together. I'm so glad we're friends. I like you a lot. You're important to me. Your story is important to me. And remember, no matter what has happened in your life, that your setbacks can become your superpowers. And honesty is always the best policy. We'll see you next time on the Fun Therapy Podcast. Podcast Network.